back. We're back. Welcome to the TCP. God Come knows on. when this episode will come out. <laughs> That's true. I'm now, uh, as far as editing goes, I'm behind about 15 episodes, so... I blame myself for not helping. I mean, this came out in early October. You might be hearing this in December, folks. It's a Christmas I podcast. I apologize for that. <laughs> I interrupted you. You're introducing us, the TCP. Oh, yeah. We're the, yep, that's who we are. The TCP. This is Steven, and this is Gabe. <laughs> you can introduce us both. In front of me. And we're standing. It's a standing cast. Uh-huh. Because we increase uh, the blood otherwise flow. would be going to sleep. <laughs> but we have a lot of things to talk about today because uh, we have watched a bunch of sh- stuff that <laughs> stuff stuff that we are probably not going to cover on our cast because we don't have time, nor do we really think they're worthy of casts be doing casts for yeah um, casting. So let's talk about those. So first and foremost, I don't think I've said this in the cast, but I watched Vengeance, which is BJ Novak's written and directed film. Really, really good. About a man? It is about a man. <laughs> Seeking vengeance. It's basically uh, social commentary, the movie. Uh, oh. But it's very well written. A lot of good humor. A lot of good uh, things to say if you're into watching someone say things that you, you may be uh, need to hear. Does BJ ever say, I'm vengeance? No. <laughs> but uh, Ashton Kutcher's in it. Okay. Uh, Dove Cameron. That's a name. <laughs> <laughs> I watched The Resort. Oh, yeah. On Peacock. Peacock, of all places. Really good show. It's a little bit difficult to explain, but it's like a sci-fi mystery. A lot of surrealist elements. Cool. It's a lot like Lost uh, meets like some other existential work, but there's some really cool cosmic moments along with like coming to grips with the reality of uh, being on Earth, that kind of thing. But it also centers around a marriage and, and a lot of like dedication to that marriage. And Fertile the, ground for drama. Yeah, marriage. Partner, partner. Really good though. I would say it's like one of Peacock's better things. Does Peacock have a long list of good things? <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've mentioned this. I'll probably remember by the time that I edit this, but we, we you and I went to see 3,000 Years of Longing. Did we talk about that? Did we? I, we I'm we i sure we did on our last movie cast. Okay. Or well, one of them. Well, we saw 3,000 Years of Longing, and I was longing to watch something else. I was longing <laughs> to get out of the theater. <laughs> That's not fair. I, I enjoyed it. All right. And then I watched, <laughs> I also watched Hocus Pocus 2. Oh. Which which was the long-awaited 30-year long sequel to, <laughs> to the 1993... Disney Channel original movie. No, it wasn't a Disney Channel original movie. What? It was a, it was a theatrical release. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm That's why it has like a, a, a better kind of a whatever. So was the new one good? No. <laughs> when? Um, it, yeah. I, <laughs> I was... It's funny because like, there's, a, there's like a, a very large cult following to Hocus Pocus and... and the kind of childish Halloween theme that it has. Mm-hmm. And this had a lot of that in it and it had very good acting and very good characters, but it was clear. The, the thing that killed it for me was it felt like a pandemic film. If it like it, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it literally had three to four locations and 
they spent maybe 30 to 40 minutes in one location in a two hour film. And it was noticeable. It's not quite as long as 3000 years of this apartment. (laughs) I was 3000 years of longing to stop watching Hocus Pocus too. Um, It's going to be a great running gag. (laughs) Well, not with this, what we're talking about today. And then I also should mention I'm, I'm in the middle of, or or toward the end of watching the patient on Hulu. It's Steve Carell, Domino Gleason, demo uh, thriller, like not horror, but like it's about, it's about a serial killer. Suspense. Suspenseful. Suspense. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's actually very, very good. And I'm going to try to pitch Gabe uh, or force him into watching it so we can do a podcast on it. Look, that's all all I should say. Cause it, it, it also, I think is a, and a thing that we've said many times is a product of the pandemic and having limited locations and things like that. But it has such an interesting story, such good characters, such good development that when it finally reveals what it's actually about, it really hits you in the gut. Mm. And uh, I think it's worth uh, a conversation. The gut. But who knows if we'll do it? But I could rec- I'd recommend that one out of everything I've said today, apart from maybe Vengeance. Well, no, the resort's good too. Anyway, you watched. Smell rhymes with Smell Razor. Smell Razor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just watched the new Hellraiser that came out last weekend for Hulu. It's a Hulu original. <laughs> Tells I guess. you when we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was in October. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we're two holidays too late. My goodness. Um, yeah, I I guess that was. Oh, you know what? I I can't remember when the last time we did a cast is, but I've seen several movies since then. I touch on all of them. Steven's been watching TV. I've been watching. Uh, wonderful film like Hellraiser. <laughs> you saw The Godfather. Uh, I did. Did we Finally. not talk about that? I, I saw it in cinemas. I also saw the Avatar re-release, Ugh. which Stephen rolls his eyes every time I mention Blue People. But <laughs> I think the new one's gonna be. What's gonna be? You, you, big. Mentioned, you mentioned a lot of Blue People. <laughs> yeah, we talk about Blue People often. Also, we will be when Wakanda Forever comes. Out. I saw, which is probably my favorite thing I've seen in the last few weeks for film is I saw Smile as well last oh, week. right, yeah. Which I wanted to mention because we've actually had a bit of a streak of quality little indie, horror, indie horror horror, and or thriller films, like mainstream stuff, not even weird A24 stuff. But between this and Barbarian, it's pretty. It's shaping up to be potentially a pretty strong back half of the year for, for, sure. for those kinds of movies. Smile was really good. Would yeah. recommend if you're into more conventional horror that's still well done. And it has this strong subtext, uh, not even really a subtext, it's just kind of the text of the film, <laughs> is about um, trauma. Yeah. So, and dealing with that. Okay. Very cool. And then, yeah, Hellraiser was basically just a schlocky, fun mess. Uh, probably the best Hellraiser film that's happened since the original Hellraiser, or Hellraiser 2, depending on who, who you talk to. And there's been like a dozen Hellraiser films over the last 30 years. But this one was fun. It was bloody, it was campy, you know, nothing... I'd probably pay to see in the theater, but if you have Hulu, give it a check out. Check a look. Check a look out. Check a look, listeners. Okay. And that brings us to the Halloween thrill of the year. My favorite thing in phase four so far, the newest Disney Plus original Marvel Cinematic Universe special presentation directed by Michael Giacchino, scored by Michael Giacchino. Werewolf by <laughs> Night. 
thunderous applause edit here. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. How, amazing. Amazing. Probably. That's what we're talking about today. My favorite thing I've ever seen. No, not that crazy, but it's it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely good. It's incredibly refreshing too. Yeah. In the modern Marvel, well, cinematic. <laughs> I was going to say movie industry or ecosystem, but since Marvel's <laughs> basically dominated that space anyway, I guess it's pretty synonymous. But yeah, for Marvel, it's it's really good and it's really new. Yeah. Which we'll, we're probably not like to see something like it again <laughs> until a week later when we saw the the uh ending of she hulk which was also crazy but we'll talk about that in the next episode yeah but yeah uh i agree i mean for for marvel for disney this was a huge step in the right direction for a lot of different reasons tonally like the uniqueness of it um it had its own look and feeling and voice uh it was short it wasn't like it was longer than a short film a short film is capped at 40 minutes for people that don't know so if if a film is longer than 40 minutes it's technically a feature so this is like a very short feature not even 60 minutes um and uh it paid homage to a lot of older older horror films like old you know dracula nosferatu frankenstein type things uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon, that kind of old, very old, like we're talking like 1930s uh, horror. Yeah. Uh, black and white. And uh, this was directed by uh, someone who is normally known as being the composer for most Marvel films. <laughs> These days, yeah. Uh, the one and only Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. <laughs> Giacchino. It's a me. Giacchino. Uh, Michael Giacchino has, I mean, the first time I think I heard of him was either in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek or J.J. Abrams' Super 8 when he was being hailed as the next John Williams. I don't think he's the next John Williams, but I was very surprised to see that Marvel let him direct this, let alone was I surprised to see that he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I wonder if he really pushed to, to do it, you know? Maybe I, here's the other thing. I know that this was also edited by Jeff Ford, who has edited everything that has been good <laughs> in the Marvel cinematic universe, Sans, uh, Falcon and the winter soldier, which is also, I mean, in my, in my opinion, it was edited and the story played really well. It just didn't land as much as it could have for other reasons that we could talk about another time. But yeah, he, I mean, he's done all the Avengers films, all the Captain America films. Um, Did you do Spider-Man? He did Spider-Man No Way Home, the uh, only, only that third one. And then he did this. And so I think Jeff Ford, as an editor, has a lot to bring to the table. And I've known a few people that have worked with Jeff Ford, and they all say he's a workhorse, he's, but he's just amazing at what he does. And he's a large reason, I think, that a lot of these movies end up being the way that they are. I think, And I think Marvel won't let him go, honestly. And I think he's okay with that. So I think, but I think we owe Jeff Ford a, a large credit and it definitely should be noted. Not, not to say that Michael Giacchino didn't direct this well. There were definitely some really cool choices directing wise. Fun music too. Yeah. And then he scored it. So he, it was interesting to see that because it's like, imagine directing something, you know, you're going to be able to score mm-hmm. and knowing what kind of music and, and you can, 
you can create the imagery behind what you're hearing in your head, you know, while you're directing, which is really fascinating. A lot of slow takes, a lot of like one take scenes that made it really feel like an older film, which was, you know, I was paying homage to that. Um, I love the opening shot or the second opening shot where it's the door opening very slowly and you hear like the stone churning and, and it's just opening and the camera's moving with the door. It's kind of sliding open from the, from bottom to the top, kind of like a garage door. Really cool. Did you mention talking about paying homage stylistically to those old films that it was in black and white? Yeah. Okay. I've said it like four times. All the other cool stuff, like simulating the film look with like the burn-ins yeah. and multiple times throughout. Those are the little things that add to the quality of the entire for sure. viewing experience for me. And um, yeah, as far as the story goes, the fact that it was kind of like a one take yeah, and not just the shots, but the whole story was like set in an evening at this, yeah. this private estate. The set production was fantastic and all the makeups and effects were amazing. Not to mention the main guy who was dead, who sets up the whole evening. His corpse was turned into an animatronic. Yeah, that <laughs> was he, so rad. He presents the game to the players and it was just... It's so, like, it knows exactly what it's about, yeah. and it executes it so perfectly, tonally. Yeah. It, yeah. He, he plays, like, a lot like the tales from the... The Crypt Keeper. The Crypt Keeper. And he's, like, he even has, like, a funny little pun at the end. It's like, I'll be rotting for you. Yeah. We also, and so, I don't know if you've also mentioned is if this is, like, totally, like, in canon or not. Yeah. Um, but, I have not talked about that. But, yeah, it is in canon. I don't know specifically what time period it is. People are wondering, like, is it in the like past? Was it in the thirties or the fifties or was it like current? So I think, I think it's current and I think it's just the way it was presented to us was supposed to look like that. So, yeah, but, but Marvel has also talked about that, you know, going forward, we're going to see a lot more in the like horror genre. They're not magical or mythical creatures. They're monsters. Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Marvel kind of, the Marvel monster. The weird ho- stuff? Horror, yeah. Because there's a bunch more. I mean, this is like where Blade lives. Oh, yeah. M- Moon Knight had his first appearance in Werewolf by Night, the comic. Man-Thing obviously popped up in this as a huge one. Weren't they um, rumored to have Blade until there was some scheduling conflicts or something? Yeah, but Blade has been, that's a whole other thing. Blade just got delayed a bunch with a, along with a bunch of other uh, Marvel stuff. but Bummer. But... Yeah, there's a bunch of like Marvel monsters, you know, that play into the classic, I don't know, universal monsters or things we've seen before that I think we'll be seeing a lot more of. I would like to see more and keep them all in this kind of black and white old school style. I think that'd be like a really cool kind of thing to do uh, that I'll play kind of short like this. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about the characters. We got the lead protagonist himself. His name is Jack. He's the werewolf. He's got some really cool paint on his face. He's played by Gael Garcia Barnal. Mm-hmm. And he is from Itumama Tambien. That's what I know him from. There you go. He's a very, very good actor. He's, he's been well known for a long time, but he's also been kind of not in the limelight because I think of his ethnicity and he, he kind of mainly sticks to foreign films. For, I should say foreign speaking because he's obviously has been in, people know who he is when it comes to American filmmaking, but he kind of stays out of American films for the most part, but he was great in this role. And who played Elsa? Laura Donnelly. As Elsa Bloodstone. She's a very popular character from the comics who has the Bloodstone. 
(laughs) (laughs) And she's like a monster hunter, but she doesn't, but she's also a friend to the monsters. I guess we'll see where that goes in the MCU. Who else is worth noting uh, actor-wise in this? Or is it a Scottish guy? Yeah, that was Kirk Thatcher. They had a whole cast of characters. Uh, he played Hovan. I think that's Joven. He is the Scottish hunter. <laughs> there was uh, Leonardo Nam as Leorn, Eugenie Bondurant as Azarel, Azarel. Daniel Watts as Barasso. And then the woman, who was like the proprietor, was Verusa. I don't. I wasn't sure what her relationship was with Laura. She was like stepmom or something. I think she was like a dev- a devout follower to her father, and she was just like, "I'm going to upkeep his ideals." Oh yeah, and his life's work. Yeah, after even post mortem. So, so that that's the one of the other things to say. Like, there's so much subtext between the characters and the relationships that play out within 50 minutes that it makes you want more and wonder what else is in the history of these characters. Like Jack, uh, at one point before he turns into the werewolf, he like sniffs Elsa because he wants to remember her when he turns so that he doesn't kill her. And she's like, has this ever worked before? And he says once. Yeah. And it, he doesn't say anything more. He doesn't, you don't see a flashback to like him sniffing an, an old love or something. And that's all you need. You know, you, all you need is a, is one line like that to make you go, wow, I want to know more about that character. Cause there's obviously a mystery there and there's, there's a, a groundedness that really wa- uh, leaves you wanting more. Um, and then yeah. that happened over and over again, all throughout the whole thing, including like, uh, Jack's relationship with man thing. Mm-hmm. Just crazy. And then it ends with them together and you you know, you just want to see them go on. Like you just want more so badly. I'd love a Jack and Man thing, like Falcon and Winter Soldier style yeah. TV show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean the special presentation style, it being like one episode of a series without getting the other episodes, kind of makes you really just appreciate what it is without feeling like Oh, I have to write six of these and produce six of these and make yeah. it make it quality the whole time. It's like the perfect short and sweet yeah. production. Yeah. Nothing was wasted in a fifty five minute, but it does it does make you want more. Sure. There's a lot of subtext and, and the way that it was written, I thought it was really good. I thought the writing was great and the dialogue was great. Because like I said, it just it's just enough, but it's not spelling it out for you as a as an audience. And the last thing that I really have to praise about it is even though Man-Thing was pretty CG and it had a lot of CG characteristics, the werewolf himself looked just like Guile Garcia Barnell in maybe an ape suit that he rented from Spirit Halloween or something like that. In the like best that. way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but like it worked because it fit within the, the paying homage, black and white traditional horror style that they were going for. And you didn't care cause it just felt so cool that it was kitschy. And it's like, Oh, this was intentional. And it's just him with makeup on just like, he's got like some pants on. <laughs> yeah. But while it had that campy aspect to it, it was still Horrific. Like done, it, yeah, it was still yeah. horrific, and like the stunts were great. Mm-hmm. And when there was violence, it was violent. Yeah, there was some gore, and you hardly see his face too, even while he's transformed. Yeah, you do see it like in a, an extreme close up, but otherwise, it's obfuscated by like 
flashing lights that again, you're in black and white. So flashing lights means like a strobing light. He's in the shadows almost the whole time. So it's hard to like make out exactly how he looks. And it really plays into the, you know, you as an audience believing that this werewolf could exist. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like the one in Harry Potter when Lupin turns into him when it's literally just a CG weird looking dog thing. Yeah. So it was, that was a different time. <laughs> So was Teen Wolf. Remember, <laughs> do you remember Teen Wolf? Yeah, I try to forget it. <laughs> but yeah, overall, this this uh, Werewolf by Night, I feel like it set a new bar for what Marvel can do when it's creatively cutting loose a little bit and trying to break from its formula. So I hope we see more stuff like that in the future. I agree. Man Thing was cool. It was such a wholesome relationship that he came back for his friend. Yeah. But Man Thing's thing where he was killing people was insane yeah. how he like he combusts them in his hands or sucks the life out of them or something I yeah don't it was like combusting mixed with um when in raiders of the lost ark when the whole the the um, right. holy, the holy ghost or whatever yeah. <laughs> <The holy> ghost. <laughs> it's like or what, what do you call it yeah this be the spirit i don't know what is it is it the, it's not the holy ghost it's like a bunch of ghosts yeah the tabernacle opens up and the and the ghosts come out it looks like that it was terrifying yeah yeah, so here's a track by Michael Giacchini. Giacchino. From Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. 